Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome again to Mastermind.fm. Your hosts today are Ninja James Laws of Ninja Forms fame and myself, Jean Galea from WP Mayor and WP RSS Segregator. Thank you so much for joining us today as we talk about hardware. We've already had one episode where we spoke about different things like our desk and chairs and monitors and laptops. However, we still didn't have time to talk about other stuff that we use on a daily basis. So we're going to start off with our sponsor and then we're going to dive right into it. If you're in the market for a host, listen to this. We're excited to be able to announce that WP Engine, one of the best managed hosting solutions in the WordPress space, has recently become a sponsor of Mastermind.fm. This partnership is an honor for us, and it's a great deal for you. Head over to WPEngine.com and give them a look. Pick any one-year plan and enter the coupon code MASTERMIND at checkout. For our listeners, that means four months free managed WordPress hosting out of your first year with WP Engine. And that's hard to beat. WP Engine is one of the best managed hosting services in the WordPress community. As someone who makes a living in e-commerce, I just can't overstate how critical a solid, reliable hosting service is. WP Engine can be that host for you, and we hope you'll give them a try. Send us an email at podcast at mastermind.fm to let us know about your experience if you sign up with them. You won't be disappointed. Okay, so... We talked, like we said, we talked about monitors, we talked about computers, we talked about desks and chairs and all this stuff. Uh, let's start uh, with some peripheral items, right? Some items that we use to, say, control our computers. So computer, uh, keyboard, and mouse, uh, something that everybody uses. Uh, people have certain preferences. Jean, what do you use as far as, uh, let's just start with keyboards. Yeah, so I'm using the standard Apple keyboard, wireless keyboard. This is the old model I have in front of me. Um, there's a newer model now, which is slightly more expensive. I believe it's 20 or $30 more expensive. It's slimmer though, so it's great for those who are traveling. And it doesn't have the replaceable batteries, which some have argued is a better thing and others have said it's a worse thing. Uh, I tend to prefer having, well, I tend to like the new keyboard, although I haven't bought it, obviously, they're very similar, so I don't see the need of upgrading. But if I had to buy right now, I would go for the newer one. And I believe both are still available on the Apple stores. So one has replaceable AA batteries, and the other comes in with an inbuilt battery that cannot be replaced, and it's charged via a USB wire. Yeah, and John, actually, I'm using currently the newer model, right? The, so I have the slimmer, the slimmer model. We have a few of the battery models around the office for various people. They kind of act as backup keyboards when people need something because of a fritz with their current one. Um, but no, I do. I really like the new design. Um, it is slimmer. It doesn't have like that rounded battery container on the back of it. Uh, it's really nice. It, it's rechargeable and the charge lasts for a really, really long time. In fact, I just charged it yesterday and I hadn't charged it in two months, three months. Like it lasts a really long time and I obviously use it every single day. So uh, it's it's pretty impressive. Interestingly enough, I while when I started the office, because of a little bit of my obsessive nature, I wanted basically everybody to use the same equipment, and I wanted desks to kind of essentially look the same. So we had the Thunderbolt displays, we had the MacBook Pros, everyone had the same desk, same chair, and I tried to get everybody to use the same keyboard and mouse. 
But I found that that was actually very difficult because there's a lot of people who do not like the Apple keyboard. They don't like the low profile and the soft touch keys. So most of the developers and even some of the non-developers in our office have opted to purchase mechanical keyboards. They still like the raised, loud, noisy type keys. They, they feel it makes them type faster. They find them more responsive or what have you. So we actually have a, a handful of different keyboards throughout our office, both mechanical and Apple. Yeah, I've used the Microsoft ergonomic keyboard. I believe there's... A wireless and wired version and I used to love that keyboard obviously it was huge compared to this one and I therefore use this Apple keyboard more than anything else because it's super portable and the one you have right there is even more portable than this one and that would be a reason to upgrade actually for me however having said that there's a Logitech keyboard which is super similar to the new newer version of the Apple keyboard. And I prefer it because you can switch between uh, different devices via a hotkey on the keyboard itself. And I've just bought one for my mom and she loves it. She's been using it and yeah, it's really comfortable, especially like I said earlier, I used to, I typically take my iPad and I just lug along this keyboard with me to the coffee shops. But the, the thing is that I have to pair it every time, either with the iPad and when I come back home, back with the MacBook. So it's a bit of a pain because it doesn't always pair immediately. So that was one of the bigger reasons to maybe upgrade to a Logitech one in the future. And I, I see the idea of having a standard setup. However, yeah, when it comes to keyboards and mice, I don't believe Apple has as much of a monopoly or superior products as when we were talking about the laptops. Well, that, so that's interesting you say it. So let's, let's actually transition then to mice. Uh, so you, I'm assuming then based on your statement, you probably do not use like say the magic mouse that, uh, okay. So tell us about the mouse that you use. So I'm using a Logitech MX Master, which is probably one of the best mice on the market nowadays. Super comfortable, has a number of hotkeys that you can program it can be connected either via usb or via bluetooth and what else it has a very nifty little scroll button so we can actually just push it slightly and it will continue scrolling on its own there are two modes for that and but in general it's just really super comfortable and it fits my hand really nicely compared to the magic mouse which is kind of not ergonomic at, at all in my opinion yeah so i use the magic mouse i'm a fan of it for a number of reasons um, one of the reasons is i love the fact that it has gestures so that i can do things like swipe my desktops right from my mouse and i don't have to lift my hand off of my mouse over to a trackpad or something like that i can just while i'm navigating clicking i can easily take two fingers swipe and i'm on a new desktop and working over there and swipe back so for me, from a navigation standpoint, I really enjoy the mouse. It is kind of a hybrid, right? It's a mouse slash trackpad. Um, it does what a mouse should do, right? It points and clicks. Um, and it's pretty intelligent as far as it recognizes really well left click versus right click and double click and double taps and all of those things. It does. It's really intelligent, but it adds the all of the things that you can generally do with a trackpad. It lets you do things like swipe. And with software, you can actually make it do everything that a trackpad can do depending on the software you use. Um, but I, I'm, a, I'm a fan. You're right. It's not ergonomically correct. So if you are somebody who holds the mouse almost 
exclusively throughout your pro day process, it's probably not a great device to use. But if you're just one who grabs the mouse when you need it to for navigational purposes, and then you keep your hand on your keyboard most of the time, Magic Mouse might be a really good solution for you. Um, some people here love it, and other people end up going like your route and buying a, a more robust and more ergonomic mouse for them. Most of the guys here, I think, think use gamer, like gaming mouse, mice for whatever they do. I don't know. Is it mice or mouse? I don't know when we're talking about technology. <laughs> mice. Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, is it? All right. Well, the plural, you mean mice. <laughs> That's right. Here am I teaching the American how to speak his own language. I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so so just a bit of a bit of a deeper dive here on my choice. I also have a trackpad here in front of me. It's the Apple trackpad. So what I use for gestures, obviously I miss having gestures on my mouse, and that's it's right that James mentioned it. Obviously, it's one of the most powerful features of using a Mac in general. And so I didn't want to miss out on that. So I'm using a trackpad on my left hand and I basically got used to making all the gestures with my left hand. And uh, so I have the, the trackpad on my left and the mouse on my right hand side of the keyboard. And that's what I'm using. I'm using the old trackpad. There's now a new one to go along with the new keyboard that James is using. I'm, I, presume that you have the new trackpad as well i'm actually no i still have the old trackpad i don't use it a lot but i i do have it <laughs> yeah that's the one so the thing is that i had actually bought this to try and switch away from having a mouse but i never got used to it to the point of being able to replace the comfortable logic logitech mouse with a trackpad have you tried replacing it altogether I haven't, but again, because I'm using the Magic Mouse, I kind of have all of those gestures kind of built in. Um, I've 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 not really looked back. I really enjoy the Magic Mouse for me, um, but that I mean, it really does depend depend on your work style and the type of work that you do. If I was doing a lot of graphic design, like in a Photoshop application, where I'm really having to be nitpicky about my what I'm doing on the screen, I probably wouldn't like the Magic Mouse as much for something like that. Um, but because I use it primarily as solely a point-and-click and navigational tool, it, it works pretty well. I'm just curious about something that came to mind. Do, you, do the people who are using the MacBook 15s have the one with the dedicated graphics card or just the standard one? Currently, one has the dedicated graphics card, and the others are using the standard setup. Um, but they have all requested to move to the dedicated graphics card moving forward for you know for reason you know uh, logical reasons. So everybody will be playing games. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> But was there a real, I mean, need for it? Is there like... Um, you know, to be honest, I don't see the need for it, but I do get a lot of... Uh, my, my CTO talks about why it's a beneficial... Um, even from a development standpoint, and I don't necessarily buy, I don't know that I buy it completely, but I like to keep my developers happy. So we'll, you know, we'll, we'll get them what they need. <laughs> Good. What's next here on my desk? Let's see. Shall we talk about headphones? One of my favorite accessories. Let's start with yours, James. Okay. I have, so I have three, I use three typical headphones through, depending on what I'm doing. So I have, you know, obviously the standard kind of Apple headphones that come with every device. I probably have a dozen of these laying around because they come with everything. And most of the time they don't go bad. So every time I get a new device, I get a new set of headphones, but I still have the old ones. And I use these um, for really more of the, my basic headphone needs when I just need something quick uh, and simple. I also have some 
uh, wired some Bluetooth uh, Beats uh, headphones. They're the small um, wrap around the ear ones. I use these for when I'm running. Uh, anytime I'm exercising because they don't have any cords that are hanging down. It just has kind of one neck cord that connects the two sides. Uh, and I'm able to kind of, I can run, I can keep my phone in my pocket uh, and exercise and it doesn't get in my way. And then my, finally, my, what I consider my travel, my airplane headphones or my do not disturb headphones when I'm sitting at my desk. I use the, uh, I just got these recently. They're fairly new for me. The V-Moda Crossfade Bluetooth headphones. They're uh, definitely a higher end t- uh, headphone. They cost about $300. And I got these uh, out of the recommendation actually of Chris Lemma. He had, I had asked him about headphones and he said, well, these have never done me wrong, but I have a ton of headphones that I haven't reviewed. And I didn't have time to wait for him to tell me all of the other headphones. So I just bought this pair and I really like them. They're really comfortable over the, they're over the ear headphones, Bluetooth Bluetooth, really comfortable. Yeah, they're 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 pretty top notch. So where do you get the reviews from? If not, if it's not a recommendation. Well, I mean, when headphones are tough for me because I feel like everybody says uh, headphones are great, and then you get them and you're like, man, these are really garbage. Like they sound like like really bad. So I don't trust reviews. And it's all about the fit as well. Yeah. I just don't generally trust reviews in general when I'm buying products like headphones. That's why I went to Twitter and said, hey, I need to buy a really good pair of over-ear Bluetooth headphones. Uh, what do you recommend? And and uh, Chris kind of reached out and just said, you know, hey, well, these, these pair do me really well. I really like these, but I have a lot of pairs and I'm going to be doing some more reviews. And he's building a whole website where he just reviews his headphones. He actually, The site's actually up. I don't remember the domain off the top of my head, but I will get it and post it in the show notes. Um, but he has reviewed his first, the first pair. I, I can't remember how many he has. He probably has like, I don't know, anywhere from 10 to 20 pairs of headphones <laughs> and high-end headphones. <laughs> so well, I'll find that link and post it in the show notes. Yeah, I'm interested in having a look at that. I'm always on the lookout for good headphones. Oh, so what I use is Wirecutter. You might have heard of it. It's a great website where they review lots of different hardware. And usually the reviews are quite good. I mean, they usually test, like if it's headphones and the in-ear headphones, they will test like 40 pairs. So it's really quite good, you know. And I haven't been disappointed for from with any of the recommendations so far. So what I'm using, I'm using, so... The Bioplay H6 over-ear headphones. These are the headphones you'll find at uh, the Apple stores. You can try them there. They've got the round cups. They're super comfortable and they're quite... I wouldn't say they're pro headphones. They're on that border between the consumer and prosumer level, around $300. And they're super good. I use them for watching movies and mostly when I just want to listen to music to relax on a sofa or something like that, not while working. So while working, I'm usually uh, wearing the Bose Quiet Comfort, and these are noise canceling in-ear headphones, Quiet Comfort 20. I actually bought these while working at a co-working space. I got annoyed with people talking on the phones all the time, and uh, there was a guy who was really thumping on his keyboard, on his Apple wireless keyboard. And if you know, these keyboards really make a lot of noise if you hit them hard and I couldn't take it anymore so I just said okay this is my final attempt (laughs) (laughs) you would have a hard time in my office then because the mechanical keyboards are a lot louder (laughs) and I have like four people chomping away on them all the time (laughs) 
Yeah, so so actually this really helps. They block a lot of noise and they're brilliant for traveling as well on planes. When there's that constant hum in the background, it cuts it out completely. It just gives you this really nice environment to really concentrate on what you're working on. They won't block out every noise, but they do give you a lot of noise cancellation and they're not cheap. They're around $200, I believe, but they're well worth the price, in my opinion. And there isn't really anything else on the market that comes close to these guys' performance. Other headphones I have, I have the Ice Monster iSport and these are Bluetooth wireless headphones. I use these mostly while I'm at the gym or while I'm doing stuff like washing plates and stuff where I'm moving around the house. So I just plug these in and listen to a podcast typically uh, while I'm doing other stuff. And yeah, they're they're great for the gym, for doing different kinds of weights, you know, where you're in different positions. I just find the wired ones really annoying because they just get in the way. So these have excellent sound quality. I don't remember the price, but it wasn't, they weren't that expensive and they've been serving me well. They do have a short battery life though, so I just charge them after every use. I believe I have something else. Yeah, I have the, these are my older wired headphones, earphones, yeah. These are, let me see. I had these for a couple of years and I just keep them as backup because all my other headphones are powered by electricity. So yeah, they're the Klipsch S4 in-ear headphones. They're an older model, still very good, highly recommended. They have some amazing sound. And they also come with three different earbuds, so you can find the ones that best fit your ear canals. Uh, again, they give great sound and they're better than actually the Bluetooth headsets because Bluetooth actually has some quality loss because of the, the way Bluetooth works. So you're gonna always lose some quality compared to the wired ones. And after my thesis on headphones, James. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I have one more. <laughs> Okay, these are the Aftershocks Blues 2 wireless bone conducting headphones. So what you do here is you place them above your ears and the sound passes through the bones of your skull. Sounds weird, very weird, but they work. And I use these for cycling. So when I'm cycling outside and I need to hear the cars and everything else around me, else I just get killed by somebody, um, I just use these and that gives me Typically, I'll be listening to a podcast uh, while training and just have the environment still available to me to make those all important decisions while riding a bike. Very interesting. Yeah, that's a, that's a lot of headphones. Not, it probably does not compare to Chris Lama. Um, we'll, we'll see as he builds out his reviews. He's got a lot of headphones. Um, but yeah, so that's interesting. Um, you know, I, just kind of as a sidebar to all of this, you might, you know, somebody listening might be asking why we talk about, like, what does any of this hardware have to do with running a business? Or, uh, But it's, it's really about also the lifestyle of a business owner, the tools we use to help us be productive, not just in the office, but out of the office. Like you said, when you're cycling, you're probably listening to and working out, you're listening to podcasts. Like you're still furthering generally, trying to further your knowledge uh, in business and in your career and, and in your development. And so you're listening to these things. So headphones are kind of a key part of how do we make sure that we're still continuing to get that information when we're doing other things, uh, multitasking, and what tools do we use to help us be more productive? So that's kind of why we're talking about it. Yeah, I mean, a consistent theme with all the successful business develop business people 
is that they read a lot or listen to a lot of podcasts or I mean whatever the medium they use they just are ingesting a lot of information on a daily basis and what we're talking about here is just the equipment that we use to actually gather all this information and like James said I do spend a lot of time at the library as well local library I'm reading on my Kindle which we'll talk about in a moment and just to drown out the noise and let me concentrate I use the these quiet comfort noise cancelling headphones and that lets me get into the zone and work rather than just lose my attention to every little noise around yeah, I would say a quote that I heard a long time ago, and I can't remember who said it, so I'm not going to be able to give a proper uh, attribution for it. But the quote that I heard, uh, that's it's kind of important. As a business owner, you are a leader of your organization. And so the, the, the thing I would kind of remind yourself is leaders are learners. Like all good leaders are learners. And so you constantly have to be learning and educating yourself, learning new information and recognizing that you haven't arrived yet. There's still more for you to learn and more knowledge for you to obtain, more wisdom for you to gain. And I think that's, you know, the the, the best business owners and the best leaders recognize that are always looking for opportunities to learn. Um, and that's why we talk about some of this stuff. Well said, James. I fully agree with that statement. And before we dive into the Kindle and other devices that we use, let's take a short break for our sponsor. For just a moment, we'd like to mention that this week's episode of Mastermind.fm is brought to you by SiteLock. It's not hard to see why website security should be one of your primary concerns as a webmaster. And SiteLock is the industry-leading website security solution provider. With an easy-to-use WordPress plugin that puts management of your website's defenses right there in your dashboard and the most comprehensive malware detection and prevention system on the market, you can't go wrong with SiteLock. Check them out today at sitelock.com mastermind. And we're back. And James, we were talking about education and one of the most important pieces for me in the education puzzle is owning a Kindle. Um, obviously, I mentioned many times that I travel a lot and I change places. My actual place of living is changing all the time. And I don't have the facility, obviously, of taking my library with me. And that's why I bought a Kindle a couple of years ago and I've been upgrading models. I currently have the Paperwhite Voyage, I believe, which I got a few weeks ago. And it's just been an amazing tool for me to keep uh, learning and reading books fantastic piece of kit and it's really tremendous value given that it's only costs around a hundred dollars yeah kindle's a great device i have a kindle i have a very old model i haven't upgraded in a really long time when they first were coming out i'd kind of buy every new iteration because they were fairly cheap anyway and i kept upgrading them um i don't i don't use my kindle as much as i used to i go back and forth where i really miss the kind of the Kindle experience, but I have been recent. I still use the Kindle app on my iPad and on my iPhone, so I still have access to my Kindle library wherever I am. But I've been using it on my on my laptop, which has its pros and cons. Obviously, the Kindle's a lot easier on the eyes, uh, causes a lot less eye strain, which means you can probably read longer than you can if you're reading on an iPad where you have that lit screen that's going to cause fatigue and it's going to cause you to get sleepier quicker. Um, so that's definitely something to keep in mind. Whichever way you choose, though, there's definitely a way of still accessing your Kindle library on multiple different devices. 
I just find the Kindle easier to throw about. I mean, when I go to the beach, for example, I do a lot of reading outdoors and parks or beaches, you know, so I always throw in the Kindle in there just in case. Yeah, because you get glare on your iPad or iPhone, right? You'll get the glare of the sunlight where the Kindle doesn't have that problem. Yeah, plus you take out your iPad at the beach. It's not the safest place for an iPad. <laughs> that, that's fair. Especially well-populated beaches, there are going to be people looking out to steal something. And, you know, apart from the fact that it, the sand is not good for the iPad, you're just inviting trouble taking these devices to the beach. That That's actually something I hadn't really thought about, depending on where you were at, the location you're at, where, you're, where you've traveled to, uh, what you use for your business in those instances uh, might, might change just because of that reason, right? You want to keep yourself safe. You don't want to make yourself a target as somebody who has a lot of expensive electronics on you to keep yourself safe. And a Kindle is probably going to be a lot lower profile than anything else. So yeah, I can, I can definitely see the advantages of that. All right. So what else do I have on our list of items? What about backups? What do you use for that? Sadly, I don't have a lot of backups. Most of my stuff is stored in iCloud or Google Drive. Um, I've not been doing regular backups of my entire system, as and that's uh, I don't not that I recommend that. Every once in a while, I get one of those like time machine notifications. It's like it's been 800 days since you've backed up your computer, and I know most of my files are actually the important stuff is actually backed up in the cloud. Um, but every time I see that, I think, oh, I should probably do something about that. So I am a I am a bad person when it comes to backups. So are you the kind of person that doesn't have much data or? I have, I do have a lot of data. I mean, I have a lot of available storage through things like Google Drive, iCloud, and Dropbox, and I use them all for different purposes. Um, so most of my files are all stored there. Like I don't, I have all of our, all of our graphics, all of our digital files, all of our print, all, everything is up in Google Drive in various, you know, various uh, levels of permissions uh, accessible to other people in the company. And that's kind of where I store most of our, of our paperwork and, and all of our important documents tends to be the tool for me. So I don't keep a lot of stuff on my, on my machine locally that isn't in some sort of a cloud uh, synced folder. Yeah, I feel that it's really important to just be able to say, like if somebody stole my laptop today or tomorrow, that I would be able to find a backup quickly, be able to get a new laptop and continue working without any problems. And I used both a software solution, a cloud solution, which is Backblaze. There's also CrashPlan, they're very similar and both backup your whole system plus external hard drives that you have connected to your laptop in this case. And I also use the Apple Time Capsule, which is a two terabyte device and can also double up as a router for your network. I also do have two external Transcend two terabyte drives and these I store most of my photos and other big files that I don't want to keep on my laptop. Yeah, I've uh, I've been uh, recently been trying to find an appropriate photo solution. I sent out a message on Twitter saying, like every service, cloud-based service for managing and and maintaining your photos gets me ninety percent of the way there, but doesn't get me a hundred percent of the way there. So I've used Google Photos, I've used iPhone photo, you know, the iPhone cloud service that they offer for photos, and none of them work for me for for all the purposes that I need. So I don't know. I don't know what solution I'm going to come up with at this point, but that's something I'm trying to solve is storage of my and backup and archival of my photos. 
Right. So, so the bigger problem for me is actually the organization of photos. So I'm, exactly, I agree. Yeah. So I'm, I'm typically out, <clears throat> and I have my Sony RX100, which is another item on my list. Uh, it's a fantastic little camera. So I'm, I'm taking high quality photos with the Sony, plus I'm using my iPhone as well at times. And like in my ideal world, they would just automatically be stored somewhere under the same event name. And I have all these devices grouped in, all the photos from these devices grouped in by event. And obviously there's my wife's iPhone that's also used at the same event. So there's a lot of, uh, how do you say, dispersal or fragmentation of our assets across these multiple devices. Yeah, I, I, I management of, of files and organizational files is my biggest challenge, especially in the in the photo situation. And as far as like backups and hardware and, and drives, I don't have any of that stuff going on. Of course, it really, to be honest, I've only started really taking photos in the last two years as my, my son was born. All of a sudden now photos be, have become very important to me. Strangely, uh, the first 16 years of my marriage, there's like six photos of Angela and myself. Like we just never took photos. And when there are photos, it's either just of her or just of me because we're the ones taking the pictures. So it's always challenging. Selfies weren't popular at that time. <laughs> yeah. But now, you know, with phones and the camera being so good on your on your phones, like, oh, we can take pictures at any time, anywhere. We don't need a professional camera to get some pretty high quality photos if we want to do it. Um, so now we're taking a lot more photos. Photos and I have probably I've I'm just again in the last two years I have probably about three thousand photos um, from just traveling and pictures of my son, and so having a way to archive them and that's the thing that I think uh, software solutions and maybe we'll, this will become a software conversation later. Um, most software solutions just do not solve the problem to me anyway of properly managing and filtering photos. You have like algorithms for face recognition. But I need the ability to be able to like do tag location, tag people in the photo, so I can at any point just say, hey, I want to look in December when we were in San Francisco. I want pictures that just have me and my son in them. <laughs> like, that's it. I want, And now just show me those. Yeah. And there's no real system that I have found anyway that does that well. I, I actually joked to my team. I was like, I think I found our next software product. <laughs> Okay, so the challenge for everyone listening is to give a good solution to this problem that James has and also I have. Please suggest something for us. Yes, because every time I talk to somebody like you, right, I mention that and you're like, yeah, that's exactly what I would want. I want something that does that. Everybody says it, but nobody has built it. I don't understand. Surely somebody, it's got to be out there somewhere and it just hasn't become popular or something. Surely things like Picasso can handle face recognition, right? Yeah, I mean, algorithms are good, but they only can go so far. So, like, for instance, Apple's facial al algorithm is actually pretty good. Google's is seemingly decent. It's gotten better. For a while there, it only was able to find, like, 55 photos of my son between two-month period. Uh, but then after a while, after it started to grow. But the problem with Google is if it misses something, it doesn't give you the ability to just add somebody to a face category or album and that's a problem because you're going to miss it sometimes either because of the, the photo lighting is bad or they're at a different angle or whatever the case may be so it's just it's tough and while we're talking about photos what's what equipment do you use you have some special cameras or i don't really have any special cameras i pretty much just use my phone 
Um, I have, I, you know, I do have an old um, kind of a prosumer Canon S05, I think, which I, when I wanted to try to get more into photography, uh, but I just never could find good resources to learn how to take quality phot photography. Like in the development world, you get people that are like, hey, here's how you do this, here's how you do that. And in the photography world, people hold that, that knowledge close to their chest, and they're not as willing to say, hey, in this, in this situation, you want to have this f-stop, and you want to have, you know, like this is how you want to set your aperture, or whatever the case may be. I found it very hard to find good information on that, and so I just never took the time. It's funny that you mention it in this way because when I started out with photography it was actually I was actually inspired to write about WordPress because I found so many tutorials about photography really yeah I yeah I was never able to find really good helpful information I found lots of people talking about photography and they would talk about cameras and hardware was a conversation they had a lot of talk about but I never really got a lot of what I would consider to be like what we see in the WordPress community um, a wealth of tutorial knowledge on taking. Like there was uh, Darren Roses that has a very famous photography blog. It may just be that I'm bad at Google. I mean, that, that could be it. Like I just be, could be bad at the Googles and just never seem to find the sites at the time. Of course, I, I would also point out that when I, when I was looking, this was probably a good six years ago seven years ago when I was doing my searching. And I don't know if maybe that has changed dramatically in the last, you know, seven years, eight years. Yeah. So definitely at that time, this guy, Darren Rose had the leading digital photography school as the blog I'm, I was referring to. And nowadays there are so many resources. I wish I would have found him. <laughs> <laughs> maybe for the better. Maybe, maybe so. Not like I would have time to really take up photography as a hobby anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, it was really distracting for me. So I'm actually happy that my wife has taken out the hobby and now takes all our photos. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so on that, on that uh, front, we use an RX100 Mark III. Uh, I also have the Mark I, and now there's the Mark IV out. Fantastic little cameras that... I recommend for especially for people who travel and don't want to carry around a lot of lenses. I also use my iPhone 6s plus for photography and yeah and I have the GoPro 3 plus which is fantastic obviously for action photography and like more rough situations or taking it to the beach stuff like that. Very cool. I don't yeah I, from the photography that's I have a camera that sits in a bag that doesn't get touched, and then my phone. So that's that's what it, that's what I use. I also have have a lot of accessories for the GoPro, which I haven't used as much as I like to, but I plan to use more those more. And I also have a Joby GorillaPod, which can be used with any camera really. I use it for both my iPhone and my GoPro. Something I have been interested in trying, and I haven't tested it yet, and so I'd love to see, hear feedback either from our listeners or, Jean, if you've ever used any of these, is you know they have those lenses that you can get for your iPhone. They kind of clip on and either give you more of a wide-angle lens or whatever, what have you. And I've always been interested to know if they're any good and if they do actually enhance or improve the, uh, the photography of the iPhone. Have you used any of those, uh, any of those things before? I haven't, but I've recently been researching 
since I've really, I'm really happy with the iPhone 6s that I'm using. I, I previously had a Google Nexus 5, and it's really a big step up, obviously, even the price is nowhere in the same range. But the iPhone camera is really good. However, obviously, it can't compare to the RX100. However, the lens that I found, and I'm trying to recall the name, it just gives you the same kind of hardware that there is on the RX100 which makes the iPhone then a very good tool for photography. Well, if you find it, definitely post it in the show notes. And I just say to everybody listening, if you have recommendations on any of these products that we've been talking about or hardware, your own solutions, also leave them comments. Uh, you know, the every podcast episode has a comment thread. Leave comments and, you know, share share your insight or your favorite tools and hardware and you know, tips and tricks on productivity that you use, because uh, we'd really be interested to know, because uh, Jean and I may steal some of your ideas and buy those products ourselves uh, to to aid our own journey in this world of business. Okay, so in the meantime, I found it. It's called the DXO. The XO1 is the model. So this is kind of an attachment. It's not one of those really small lenses that attach to the back of the... So it doesn't go over the existing lens of the iPhone. It just attaches to the, what's it called? The USB port. Okay, the, like the mini, yeah, the, the Thunderbolt. Yeah. Or lightning yeah. bolt. Yeah. So it's like a small device that sits at the side of your phone and just uses your screen, like the, the screen of the phone. And the lens is just this whole thing, is, is the lens. And it's obviously very powerful compared to the lenses that just fit over the existing lens. Apparently the most, uh, the best lens that sits over the existing iPhone lens is called the Moment. It's priced at around $100, whereas the DXO1 is 400 something, $440 currently on Amazon. So there's a big price difference. And actually the DXO is almost the same price as the Sony RX100. So you're really paying for the convenience of uh, having this device and not having a separate camera that you use on your trips. It's interesting. Well, unfortunately, in this hardware talk, we have again gone a little bit over our episode. We apparently use a lot of pieces of hardware and, and enjoy talking about them. <laughs> um, I'm sure this these, these talks will happen. If there's a particular uh, topic of hardware you would like us to discuss, please let us know, uh, either in the comments or send us a question on our website or an email at podcast at, podcast at mastermind.fm. Uh, we would definitely like to continue the conversation. Um, but I think for today's episode, as we are now 40, a little over 40 minutes in, we're going to have to start to wrap it up. Last week, we didn't end up with a review, uh, and we've been kind of holding it off. But we like to share some reviews to let people know about what's going on uh, what people are saying about the podcast. So we'd like to share a review with you real quick. John, would you go ahead and uh, share our latest review? Sure. So this time it's from all the way from Romania. We have Christian Reiber, who gives us a glowing feedback here. So here it goes. Absolutely amazing podcast. Mad props to Jean Galea and his co-host, James Laws. If you're running a WordPress business, this is the podcast you should be listening to. Thanks, Christian, and we're looking forward to meeting you at WordCamp Europe. Other guys who want to leave some feedback, obviously you can do so on iTunes, and you can also send us questions over at podcast at mastermind.fm. Finally, you can find me on Twitter at Jean Galea, and you can also find James on Twitter and his blog. 
Yep, you can find me on Twitter at James Laws or on my blog, jameslaws.com, and, and a number of other sites. And of course, you can always contact both of us at mastermind.fm, or actually, mastermind.fm is our Twitter handle for the podcast. Okay, thanks a lot, guys, and we'll see you in the next episode. See you later. Bye.